Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go to Monday, Cofield and Company. Damon is the uh, company and Jack of All Trades running the show today. We go up until 5 o'clock, and then we'll hand it off to ESPN Radio. Of course, you can hear the Raiders over on uh, Comp 92.3 and also Raider Nation Radio 920. And the coverage has already begun with Q Myers into uh, JT the Brick and company, and then kickoff shortly after 5 o'clock, Raiders and Packers. A lot to say about this game from both of us, both Damon and myself. It's coming up in just a couple minutes, and it starts off what is a crazy week in Vegas. And I know it's annoying to hear old radio host talk about how much things have changed in Vegas, but they have. And this is one of those prime examples where Demond twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, way before that. But I first got here like twenty seven years ago, and at the time, it was like you know, could this place support? Professional sports? Yeah. Which, by the way, with media people, can we stop blanketing every sport that's here now, major league sport that's here now, by saying in the past, no one believed that Vegas could support professional or major league sports. No one said that. Okay? There might have been a minority of people, you know, people who were just curmudgeons and maybe they're Turning out to be right in terms of the city being a lot busier now. So if you wanted a nice, quiet town to, uh, to drive around in, get around easily, then I guess there were some people who were complaining or they had an agenda to say that Major League Sports wasn't going to work. But not everyone said that. When I got here in the mid to late 90s into the 2000s, yeah, I thought that some Major League Sports could work. Um, I am amongst those who was very worried about the NHL. So if you want to apply it to the NHL, yeah, there were a lot of us here who were like, whoa, if this doesn't work, we're screwed. Like we're not getting any of the other big four. It worked, but stop. We've turned it in. The new narrative is like, no one believed. We believed here. And I think there were people around the country who came here who believed that, you know, could, frankly, you can put an NFL team pretty much anywhere as long as the population is north of what? 750,000 or it's got a metro that's like 1.5 million or more. It's the NFL. It's the other sports where you're like, well, you know, will it work with a population of this size? So, sorry, I go on a side diatribe there, but we always believed. And now we got it all. Just about. Well, Steve, that's the media with anything. You you got to say no one believed in this. Right. Where you have Georgia, you know, back-to-back national championships. Nobody believed in us. Right. I think it's just the narrative of we you got to preface that with anything. No how, often, how big of a favorite you are. How often do you hear people say, no one believed. No one saw this coming. And then you're like, I did. So, no, you didn't believe that something could happen or that a team could win. Or I heard people, by people, the, the guys who do all the NFL pregame shows on the main networks and carry us through halftime and, and postgame, and they were – Shocking upset of the Bills by the Jags. Shocking. During the week, it was a five and a half point spread. I don't know how many of us picked the Jaguars on Friday. I know I did. It was a bad spot for the Bills. The Jags had been there a couple of weeks. It's their home area. But just when people are like, no one believed this. No one thought this team was going to win. No, you didn't. 
So cut it out. So the big week includes Monday Night Football tonight, which I always love primetime games, even if the right now the Raiders don't appear to be on their way to a you know an 11-win season. This is why – this is one of the reasons that we built the stadium. And through – you know, in the end, we're going to wind up throwing over $2 billion at Allegiant. It's for showcases like this. It's, you know, hours long, free – wasn't free, but hours long, free branding for Vegas with all the – the city shots and the stadium shots in front of a captive audience. And I know it was a, a lot of people don't like to hear it, but it's, oh, the visitors that come in, especially Raider fans. But if you just walk around, last night I went to Resorts World, hang out with a couple members of Raider Nation. Like? I, you know, you see the Raider jerseys in there, and obviously I'm going there to hang out with Raider fans. Yeah. But I did see a few Packer jerseys that it made me turn my head a little bit of, oh, they're in town. Yeah. They're out here. Wisconsin fans, I'm sure, are here. Packers fans, I'm sure, are here. Fans from Wisconsin are here. Um, Resorts World's probably not their cup of tea. And let's be honest. Maybe not. I it's mean, a, it's, a, it's a little ritzy. It there's, is. There's some other places where they're hanging out. Yeah, maybe a little. Yeah, it, it, yeah, and especially where it's placed off the strip. It's a little fancy. Well, it's not all. It's it's uh, it's on what used to be the strip, but now it's on the strip that's rebuilding. So. As soon as we get some of the other places online, fi- you know, finished, the strip will extend all the way up to hopefully the strat. Can I show you my young personness? Yeah. In the inside resorts world, there is yeah. a side, just a stardust sign. Yeah, yeah. And I said, "Is this where the stardust used to be? Has yeah. to be, right? Yeah. Why else would they have that sign there?" Yep. Is it? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yeah. yeah. That was one of the when I first came to town. That's one like one of the iconic places that you know. Time changes things, but that sign and that logo is one of the iconic images of Vegas. And actually, I they've kind of spun off the Stardust brand into just straight gaming. So you see the Stardust brand around the country as a gaming brand, you know, for slot machines and, and other stuff. Yeah, that's how big the Stardust was. And um, even though the movie Casino is more... The Dunes, it's kind of a combination of a bunch of places. The Stardust is kind of what that, the way the Stardust felt is kind of the way Casino, the movie felt. So Stardust was a cool place. I actually, I, I almost I almost went with a true grandpa moment there. I'm going to back off because I was going to say, you know, Damon, <laughs> I was on the marquee once. I'll bring in a picture <laughs> to show you. <laughs> but I, But I stopped, but I still did it. Yeah, there was a, there used to be the Stardust Invitational where they'd invite, I think, sixteen famous sports slash handicapper people in town, and I got invited. I think once, so I have a couple pictures. I knew that would be a good one. I didn't know the Stardust was going to go bye bye, but uh, yeah. So this is Steve Cofield out there. Look at you. I made it one round. I think I went like three and four, and the guy went again. It was seven picks, college or pro. I think I went three and four, and I advanced. And then the next week, I might have gone three and four again. I lost like. Four three, so I think it was Mark Lawrence who I lost to, and a guy named James Manos, who I beat barely. But I bet you if I went back and and listened to my analysis, it was <laughs> it was horrific. It's probably two thousand seven. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. It's almost like I got a feeling, or they're due, not handicapping. So I lucked into a win, and that was it.
Real quick, because you, I mean, you mentioned, I'll bring it back to the Bills and the Jaguars. People are like, oh, I didn't see this coming. You know when you listen to the game and the broadcasters, they give you some insight of some things you didn't know. I know that you're maybe – do you watch all the games at the books or out? No, I watch – I, uh, I split home. the day. I watch all at home because I got – we talked about the package over the summer that I had to get it to get yes. the best rate from YouTube. So just when it, watching the Bills game, it's like, yeah, they came in late. They said it wouldn't affect them. And it's – I didn't put any money on the game, but just me, you, and Caleb making our picks – if I didn't know, if I knew that they were going to leave mm-hmm. the states late to go to London, I definitely would have picked the Jags. Yeah. When they it were, comes to handicapping, like, I mean, they were the the Bills were the side because the Jags stayed. They gave the Jags two games. They they've been there the most of all of all the NFL teams, and I still think they're considering moving them there. But the Jags stayed. The Jags were acclimated for a couple of weeks, and the Bills are coming in late, and they're off this romp win over Miami. It was just it was a bad spot for them. So we got. Did I mention the Lakers yet? We were, we were kind of no. getting there. So we got we got Monday Night Football. We got the Lakers tonight. And then uh, LeBron was talking today. Let me see what LeBron said just a couple minutes ago because our buddy Arash from the Sporting Tribune, and we have Arash on on Mondays. This is interesting. And I wonder – I'm don't. i never, never going to doubt the guy um, if he can put all this money together because LeBron is uh, moving toward – is he a billionaire already? Did they already make that announcement? He's moving towards it. I know Mike, Michael Jordan is. Um, Arash says, new story – LeBron James has talked about owning an NBA team in Vegas. He will have competition from another Lakers great, Shaq, right? We've talked about this, right? Who would you want to be the celebrity former NBA player owner if it's only one of them, Shaq or LeBron for Las Vegas? Who do you want, Shaq or LeBron? So LeBron's, uh, yeah, LeBron said it. Uh, quote, I would like to have my own group. I don't want to partner up with nobody. I want it all for myself. I hope he laughed after that. Is he going to be that rich? Would he? Could he be the leader of a group? Yeah, I guess he could. Could he be the leader of an ownership group and cobble together enough super rich people to be the owner? So that's going down tonight. VGK opens against the Kraken tomorrow. The banner gets raised. There's a red carpet. Uh, the Aces play in the WNBA Finals, game number two. So, nothing going on. Who would have thought we would have been here? Nothing going on. And I will do what all Las Vegans do. Oh, boy. I don't know if I want to go down to that area and drive around. I drove. I actually drove today. This is. This will tell you how crazy Vegas has gotten from a traffic standpoint with F1 getting ready to be up in like six weeks here. I... I live off of 95 going north past the Rainbow Interchange. I had to go to UNLV today. I go on Mondays for Barry Odom's practice, and then uh, the basketball team, men's basketball team, was practicing as well. I was going down there, and I went up driving on the strip. That should not happen. <laughs> Why? Because you can't get across. It's hard to get across almost any point of the strip right now without being directed into like a, a, a lane reduction to one lane. So true. I, you know, and I even, and, and people listening right now are probably like moron. Use your navigation. I did. I just ignored it. Sometimes it doesn't. I, w- I was thinking and I brain farted. No, it knew, it knew the way to go. I actually looked at it for a second and I'm like, wow, why am I taking Polaris at some point? And then all of a sudden I found myself on the same route that I usually take. And, uh, from there, I was driving through the uh, parking lot by the Mirage, so and down the strip. Which I'll tell you what, the strip from Ti down to uh, Caesars, 
Beautiful ride. But then when you have to turn on to Flamingo, all hell breaks loose. But anyway, that's how c- crazy it is getting around right now. You want to, you know, driving through access roads and turns you never expected to turn. So F1, um, baby. Can't wait. It is going to be a big event, so I'm not complaining about it. I, I, there's a lot of people out there complaining about it, but it is going to, for 10 years, uh, it's going to be a massive event, and I hope it continues beyond that. So, um, so we come in today with the Raiders on tap. How much of a home field advantage do you think the Packers are going to have? And this is not a – again, we've explained this a million times. The way they, – they knew when they built the stadium there was going to be a lot of visiting fans because it's Vegas. But then the way they priced the tickets, I don't think they realized how many people were going to spend every dollar they had to get these PSLs, which means that you're stretched thin. Guess what? you got to sell like two or three games to pay for the rest of the freaking season. And when you get these – Super loyal fan bases like the Packers, like the Steelers, like the Niners. I mean, I I think the Niners from here forward, anytime they play in Vegas, it's going to be like 80% Niner crowd. And and they're good. So they were already freaking lunatics about their team. But, yeah, the Packers are another one of those teams. As DeMond said, over at Resorts World, you saw some of them, and I guarantee they're littering the strip. Not throwing garbage, but they're all over the place. What do you think it's going to be like tonight for MD? For Mark Davis. I want to be optimistic and say 50-50. 50-50 is optimistic to me. But I don't know how Packers fans feel about Jordan Love because I think the guy stinks. So are are they at that point in the season where maybe no. have they give they so they haven't given up on their he, season? There's no either. way. No. Okay. He's shown enough. He's shown to have them enthused. I mean, I'm sure a lot of them deep down, like me, again, I talk about this all the time. I know what I'm watching with Zach Wilson. I'm not going to be fooled. Like they won yesterday, but if you watch the game closely, he was dreadful at times. And smart, smart football fans know when they're living on the edge, they're getting away with it. The Jets are getting away with it. I don't think most Packers fans realize that Love may not be the guy and that they're getting away with it. Oh, you know what's funny? Listening to uh, Hurd and Michael Irvin this morning, Irvin was making a strong pitch that he's seen enough from Jordan Love that he thinks he's the guy, but he needs more time. He, he likes Jordan Love. I guess we'll see tonight. I'll, I'll tell you this. Where Jordan Love in his career, is in his career right now, the Raiders need to win this game. Yes. And this is such a pivotal point of the season. You told me what? Uh, this morning you were listening to the press box, and their sentiment was yeah, just, that, just how bad this team is going to be. Like yes, Raiders when, does Aiden, when does Aiden O'Connell get to start? When does the team bench Jimmy Garoppolo? Okay. They're joking, right? Well, yeah, it's said in tugging cheek, and it's, you know. But, I mean, they're joking that you'd even want to play Aiden O'Connell before, like, week 12. No, they said if the team gets to 2-7. and seven. But, of course, that would mean that the team would need to go out and lose, what's that, five in a row. But Aiden O'Connell should just start the rest of the if, season. If they're 2-7, and seven, I know the, it doesn't add up right now, but if they're at a 2-7 and seven mark after they played the Packers at home, the Patriots at home, after what we saw yesterday, that thing's falling apart. Packers, Patriots, at Bears? Come on, guys. And I don't want to say we don't need to see AOC again. I don't think we need to see him for like eight weeks, ten weeks. He's not ready. Sit on the sideline, practice hard. I don't want to see him again. And if Garoppolo gets hurt again, Demond, I don't want to see AOC. I want to see I want to see them try. And by the way, it sounds like I mean, if you're you know if you're going to listen to NFL Insider like Big Roos, uh, Diana Rossini, right? She's little, but she's got a big personality. Um, big Roos was saying 
the Raiders are actively shopping for defensive end help. So why would you do that if part of your mentality is we're screwed? Yeah, I don't think that the Raiders are quitting on anything just yet. Yeah. Or people need to realize you win this, team's 2-3. and three. Got another winnable game next week against a team that, yeah, it's the Patriots. Mm, Patriots blow. Yeah, people are talking yeah, about Bill, Bill Belichick should be fired. They're in disarray right now. They could easily get back to 3-3 three and three on the season. Yep. So it's not so much as a fan base where the members of rate, like the Loyals, the Diehards, the Black Hole members, those people, they're going to be at that stadium regardless how the team is looking. They're going to be and moan about it, but they're, going, they're still going yeah. to be there. I know it's fun to come on air, and we hear the ESPN National guys do this, uh, to go on air after each week and freaking completely overreact, or even four weeks in to say this team's done and good teams, oh, this one's set in stone. Almost nothing is set in stone. In the National Football League. Think about this one. And I, I want to I make a list later on. Who are the teams that are going to have a chance at Caleb Williams? Can you say who is absolutely dreadful? Like, the, the Patriots have looked bad. Is Belichick actually going to win three games? Like, how many, how many teams are three or four win teams? Someone will turn out to be that bad. But I get the feeling the bottom... All the teams are mostly going to be five and six wins, I think, at worst. Like, are the Vikings really going to – the Vikings are going to go three and 14? I mean, the schedule they played is ridiculous. The only team that I can think of that looks as bad as the record says is the Panthers, but they don't need Caleb Williams. That's it. They don't need a quarterback, right? And then that pick goes to the Bears, but I'm not saying that Justin Fields is going to turn it around, but if they get the five or six wins – well, I mean, it's going to be a decision that they have to make. And that's the problem with Justin Fields. He's just good enough in a lot of games that they can win five or six games. Right? Who else is terrible? Right? Patriots are in last place. I don't believe Belichick's going to win less than four. Bengals are in last place in the in the NFC or AFC North. They're not going to be terrible, obviously. Texans and Titans are both two and three. That division allows everyone to be in it. Broncos, I mean, I guess they can get out of the Wilson contract for $8 zillion. But as I'll suggest later on, if I'm Caleb Williams and the Broncos have the number one pick, I'm staying in school. That's the other thing you consider. They have to be, teams have to be bad enough, but not so bad management wise, where Caleb Williams is like, eh, you know what? I'm going to go back and make $5 million in college. I'm not going to saddle myself in some hellhole. And also to what you said as well, where do you, do we really think teams are just going to be that bad that where they can't win four or five games? The Giants, they look awful. Giants are in the running to be dreadful. But to my point again, and I'll build this list later on, I wouldn't go to the Giants if I were Caleb Williams. They are a garbage franchise now. And they've been a garbage franchise for a while. They're, think about it. They are starting from scratch on the offensive line, essentially. I mean, I think I think Neil is salvageable, but last week he's an idiot talking trash to the fans about being burger flippers. They're t- they're- Do we have the update on Daniel Jones? He's getting crushed. So I don't know how he got to the number one pick because we were talking about the Raiders. I, I don't believe the Raiders are in. As much as some Raiders fans want to bail on this whole thing and they want to be you know, a top three pick, I don't know that they're going to get there. I think they're going to be just good enough to win six, seven, or eight games. And that starts these next three games. I mean, we'll get a much more clear picture. If they go on three these next three games, then there's real trouble. And then they are in the running for the number one pick. But I think they're good enough 
to win two of three, if not all three, and then all of a sudden they're trending more towards being a 500 team. So, Damon, who gets the run game going tonight? Because that'll certainly help both of the quarterbacks. Jimmy G back after missing last week. Jordan Love, crap game last week. Aaron Jones, hammy. He's expected to play. Josh Jacobs finally got it going more in the air than on the ground. Who's better in the run game tonight? I don't want to be a homer and just say the Raiders, but I do think it's going to be the Raiders. Because even though the Packers, they've had a little bit more success than the Raiders this season, their defense hasn't looked top-notch. For a team that has, where people were coming in, Jordan Love's going to be helped out by this defense. Multiple first-round picks over on that side of the ball. They haven't looked that good. And the Raiders against the Chargers, they did make some steps. You know, uh, I'm not not so much as it was momentum, but they were going in, going in the right direction when it comes to getting Josh Jacobs more involved in the offense. What a crazy position Jacobs is in. We've talked about this since basically the beginning of the summer when we knew the franchise tag was looming with Jacobs. He doesn't get a deal. Just like Saquon Barkley, he gets incentives added to his one year with the franchise tag. And then reality starts to hit for all these guys. You're not getting long-term deals. If you think you're going to be Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey and you're going to get you know four years and 60 mil and 35 guaranteed, not going to happen. New NFL. And to add another guy to the list, crazy Jim Ursay was never going to do it. Right? Remember what he said during the preseason? He's like, Jonathan Taylor, when I'm gone and you're gone, no one will care. You're like, okay, I guess he's not signing him. And then out of nowhere on Saturday, three years, $42 million. What's the guarantee? 29 mil guaranteed to Jonathan Taylor has actually had squawked and kind of been more of a pain in the ass and a little bit unpredictable the last year or so. Wasn't durable last year. And now he gets a big deal. I think that for this, the way to really look at it, look at it as two, a little bit more than the franchise tag, but just two guaranteed franchise tags. Right. And then, Which is still something, though. Yes, it, it, it guarantees you about and the the uh, total was twenty six and a half guaranteed. So he's getting like th- what is it thirteen two five for at least two years. So it's a little bit of security rather than go year to year on a franchise and then blow out your freaking whatever your Achilles or your ACL and then your SOL. So I get. So should we look at should we look at this as glass half full to overflowing? Like, hey guys, a running back. Another one got one of those deals. It's not a long one, but, it, you know, they got a deal. Or as Josh Jacobs to the point where he's like, this group is not giving me a deal. His, you know what's funny? If he plays really well, gets back to his form of last year, he's helping the team. He's also helping himself, showing – that, hey, you know what, the dude stayed focused. Even though he feels like he's getting screwed, he stayed focused. That's the kind of guy you want on your team. But what he's also doing is helping Ziegler and McDaniels keep their jobs because his best hope to getting a long-term deal with the Raiders is new management in and MD gets emotional. Mark Davis gets emotional. He's like, you know what, Josh, I love you. I'm going to give you the deal. Because that ain't happening with McDaniels and Ziegler. I 99.9% believe that they are – we're moving on. That's our philosophy. We're not playing a, uh, paying a running back $14 mil a year. So it's this weird thing for him where 
the better he does, he's actually ensuring their job security moving forward. Unless he unless he rushes for 1,500 yards the rest of the way and they still only win three games, which I don't think would be likely because if he's running well, they're going to win games. Yeah, there was a lot there. I know. No, but going back to the contract part, like should should this be, should running backs look at this as hey glass half filled? Yes, this is the going rate of your running back that you have that you know obviously you produced those first three seasons and yeah. you were expecting that big contract. This is the blueprint going forward. It depends on which running back though and who's the quarterback because the Colts can do this because they have Anthony Richardson and Minshew Mania who don't make anything. The Niners can afford to have you know sixteen seventeen million dollar McCaffrey because Purdy's of thousand round pick I don't know where the Raiders are going to be quarterback wise money wise I mean Garoppolo is kind of in the middle around 22 million dollars a year uh I can tell you this Austin Eckler ain't getting a deal that will never happen you can't when your quarterback's gonna make 50 million dollars you ain't making 14 a running back so everyone's in a different situation the Raiders are in a position to give Jacobs a a two-year deal or really a three-year deal but two guaranteed like this one. Um, speaking of McCaffrey, not a monster yesterday, but he um, he tied for what? I think the, the fourth longest streak for touchdowns in consecutive games is 14. He tied Emmett Smith. They win, and we'll have a lot more breakdown of the Cowboys and Niners probably tomorrow. Woof. Boy, that extinguished all that talk for now of the Cowboys being in the top three in the in the NFC. Uh-oh. Let's sit on that. Let's take a break. We got to catch up here. We got Steve Kim coming up in just a couple minutes. Our buddy who uh, wraps up the football weekend with us talks a little boxing. He's on the way uh, right around 2:40. Now back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Raiders, Packers, tons of Packers fans in town over at the Al tonight. Monday Night Football. Raiders off to a slow start. Packers out okay, but they've been beat up. Bakhtiari's down for the year. Jordan Love, a couple of solid games, and then leaking some oil lately. Uh, I think the Raiders are going to win tonight. I think the Raiders are going to go at least 2-1 and one over the next three. It'd be nice if they go 3-0. and oh. And I know it sounds crazy because they're 1-3 right now, but if you really watch the games, there, there were – Again, these are a couple of spots where there's coin flip moments where the Raiders were on the wrong side of the coin flip, whether it was penalties, turnovers. I mean, hell, they actually – somehow they hung in the game with the Chargers. I think the Chargers let their foot off the – collective feet off the gas pedal, but uh, AOC's dropping the ball over the place, mistakes. A couple of plays in that game, they win it. So I, I don't think they're terrible – um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm a little more enthusiastic about the Raiders than most because uh, today I was over at UNLV and we're going to play some convos, press conference action from both Barry Odom, the football coach, and Kevin Kruger, the men's basketball coach. And there's a good vibe right now. You know, basketball is a nice roster. Got to get through some issues off the floor here. Make sure they have the whole team come by. I don't know. You know, by the third game of the regular season because they got a couple of get ready for the season games and then really begins after that, and football's feeling pretty good. You know, they're 4-1, and one and but they're not acting like they've never been 4-1. and one. They were 4-1 and one last year. It hasn't been that consistent coming out of the gates, but they're pretty composed, and it looks like, it looks like they're not being eaten alive, like overconfident by being 4-1 and, and that they're focused for these 
next couple of games. So that's a good thing. Um, we talked about the big week of action here in town in terms of sporting events. We got Monday Night Football tonight. We got Banner Rays for VGK and the Kraken tomorrow. We got Aces Game 2 of the WNBA Finals. The end of the week going into next weekend, we've got another one of those cool soccer matches out at Summerlin. It's uh, soccer and Summerlin, four-pair. Check that. I don't, we're, we're giving out four-pair. Four-pack of tickets. Uh, Saturday night at the ballpark under the lights. You can get your tickets at aviatorslv.com. It's the uh, Las Vegas Lights against the San Diego Royal. It's at the ballpark under the lights, 730 start next Saturday. Again, get your tickets at aviatorslv.com. But demond has got a four-pack right now, 364-1100, caller 7. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, time to break down the football weekend as we do uh, every Monday. Love this spot. Steve Kim, our buddy from Southern California. What's up, Steve? Uh, What's going on, Mr. Cofield and everyone in Vegas? Hope you guys had a great weekend. (laughs) Well, a whole lot's going on. A whole lot of mess out there in the world of football. But first... I wanted you to uh, recap the fight that was here with uh, Zerto and Joe Smith. Decent fight, kind of a crossroads matchup. Two guys who had been at lower weight classes and had been belt holders, and that was actually a WBA cruiserweight eliminator. And it didn't really surprise me that Zerto was able to kind of box and punch his way to victory. He had the you know rangier, uh, more of a boxing friendly type of style and you know joe tried hard buzzed him a few times late but it was a decent solid professional matchup i'm not so sure how either guy really does at the world-class level at the uh, cruiserweight but uh you know at, at the very least gilberto ramirez brings a somewhat familiar face to the black hole division of boxing all right we can start in your wheelhouse and I'll, I'll let you go i don't know if you've calmed down over the last day and a half but uh I like Mario Cristobal. I like where he's taking Miami, but what he did on Saturday was just silly. If he was a doctor, he would have been sued for malpractice, okay? (laughs) I I would have taken away his license. And, look, I am a big Cristobal supporter. I believe he's going to be okay. (laughs) But that was the single worst decision, and, and I am not playing Monday morning quarterback. I said before the fumble, I said we should be in victory formation because you know, you could say that the chances of Don Chaney, who had never fumbled before, were 1%. But your job as that coach in that situation is to go, well, with a victory formation, the, the chances of a fumble being recovered by the other team is actually zero 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 point one percent And I did not understand it. We are not asking anyone to be Jimmy Johnson, Bill Walsh, or Bill Belichick. Steve, don't you think most JV high school coaches would have known to take a knee at that point? Of course. And that's what makes it egregious. Yep. Uh, minus the immediate heroics of the Eagles against the Giants, you know, with Joe Pasarczyk and Herm Edwards, it's as bad as that. I mean, it's actually worse because then the defense just couldn't recover mentally and gives up a couple of big plays. It was terrible. And, and I think you're the only guy I saw bring up the reference to that son of a bitch who coached Ampipe. And Coach then got Nickerson. then got yeah got mad at Tom Cruise and that guy blew it as bad well, as Crystal. And, and he threw out Salvucci. Yep. The Salvucci fumbled. Yep. But here's the thing though. With, 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 and then Coach Nickerson went to Minnesota State on a TV show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, like that Coach Craig T. Nelson. Man, when he played a coach, it, it just looked believable. It, oh it really God. did. But here's the other issue though, um, Steve, that 
if you go back to the miracle at the Meadowlands with the Herman Edwards play with Zonka not knowing he was going to get a handoff from Pasarczyk, yep. the coach for the Giants actually got fired, and I think that was Sean McVay's grandfather, John McVay. John McVay, yep. And that was the beginning of people realizing, why are we handing off at all? I think that's like the genesis of people just realizing you're better off just kneeling on the ball. The other part is you talk about the defensive breakdown, Steve. The All-American safety that Miami has, Camp Kitchens, he had no business jumping that route and getting, if you are safety, the general rule is you have to be deeper than the deepest receiver. And even if they catch it, let's say a 15, 20-yard pass, remember, a field goal only ties the game. There was no reason to gamble. So that was just a breakdown of epic proportions on both sides of the ball. A sign of the weekend on any game day, uh, someone holding up a sign. This is another deep reference that I love. Feinbaum's wife loves the seventh floor crew. <laughs> that was dynamite. And then I, you know, it's funny. The, I saw the sign and then I, I look up on the TV and I see Greg with his third leg on TV. I'm like, how did he get past that whole thing where he's like, you know, America's blonde dude doing uh, games now with the third leg? He's a young kid. Come okay, on. Okay. He was young, right. impressionable. Sure. And- uh, G. Reg with the third leg. Yeah, that, yes, that's yes, kind of, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of an inside joke. That wasn't so inside. Yeah, no, um, you know, that was like an on-campus two-live crew back in the day. That Larry Coker oh, allowed that program to spiral. But anyway, yeah. But what, what Greg would Greg probably? Could you imagine if Greg Olson was probably with his family, just watching game day, hanging out? <laughs> yeah. Then all of a sudden that came like out. Never oh, that away. must have been awkward. It never goes away. All right, I see Steve Kim uh, up on social media. I like Texas over Oklahoma, something like thirty-four twenty-four. Oof. I mean, it was a close game, but. Uh, Holy cow. I, I'm not ready to say Oklahoma's back, but their quarterback is. Man, he's awesome. Yeah, I, it was surprising. I thought Texas was as complete a team uh, as anyone in the country, and Sarkeesian just cannot get completely over the hump. And what really surprised me was that Oklahoma was able to neutralize the, the Longhorns on both sides of the line of scrimmage. They were actually the more physical team. And even though the game was tied going in or they were behind in that last drive, I, I felt as though the Sooners were actually the better team throughout most of the day. And Dylan Gabriels, with that final drive, not only became a Sooner legend, he has to be in that Heisman Trophy mix now. He really does. That was a Heisman moment. He's put up the numbers. And just to finish it off the way he did, but keep this in mind, though, Mr. Cofield, with the way it's set up nowadays, we could be having a rematch in about two and a half months. I have a feeling they're going to meet again down the line for the Big 12 Championship. Steve Kim, presented by Snack Nutrition, joining us here on Cofield & Company. Steve, I've got to ask you, we like smack talk on this show. What do you think about the rivalry between college game day and big noon kickoff where you have Matt Leiner, you know, as he's praising Cam Warden and WSU, he's saying, hey, you know, he's taking a shot at McAfee. What do you think about this rivalry that's now brewing? <laughs> Love it. It's awesome. Weren't they waving old Crimson, the yeah. Wazoo flag? <laughs> yes. that, that was yeah. That was not. That was a very thinly veiled shot across the bow. And what's funny is, guys, I'm doing a new segment for Fearless and Jason Whitlock. What I'm watching, and my video that I shot today was actually the the weakening monopoly or grip that College Game Day has now on the Saturday morning audience. If you care about such things, I actually think Big Noon Kickoff is put a dent into the ESPN franchise. And I hate to say it, and I think that the decline kind of mirrors the, the the 
state of Lee Corso, the beloved coach. I thought there was a time, guys, for about 20 years, that was the only game in town. No one did it better. But I think it's too long now. And I, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. Do you think Pat McAfee really fits college football? He seems a bit out of place on that show, in my view. That's exactly what I was going to ask you because I've gone up and down Reddit boards of people talking about Pat McAfee not being a fit. Where I think that when ESPN brought him in, hey, we're going to get a bit of that barstool crowd. But I don't think he fits either, and I'm seeing that you get that sense as well. Yeah, look, I don't even I, – I just think college football and pro football are, are like two different universes within the same sport. When I, when I, look, Keith Jackson long ago was the first announcer on Monday Night Football – but when I think of old Kit Jackson, I think of college football. And David Pollock was a Hall of Famer at University of Georgia, one of their best players in the early 21st century. Yep. I thought he was great on that show. Gene Wojciechowski had covered college football for about 35 years on a national scale, one of the most respected writers. He was a victim of the ESPN budget cut. And now they have this long laundry list of contributors that – I don't really have a real sense of identity with them. And also, another thing, guys, I think three hours is too long. One of my recommendations, just go back to two hours. Less can be more. Steve Kim's with us. Snack Nutrition presents the spot each Monday here with Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Steve Cofield. Damon is with us as well. Um, I had a couple of food questions for you. First of all, the burgers from oh. Coach JB. Wow. Really? Pound for pound, and especially the ones with the cheese that's melted just on top. Then, here's the thing. you got got to have attention to detail. You just can't go Heinz mustard. I went French mustard. Went with the Grey Poupon. Yeah. yeah. By the I way, mean, what is just, in, uh, perfect. in Long perfect. Beach, what is, what is Phil Tranny's? What was that? No, what, did oh. you, go, you go to a restaurant in Long Beach? I looked it up. It, looked, it actually looked pretty good. All right, Phil Trainees is Trainies, a famous okay. spot in Southern California for years with the beloved Phil Trainee, and it's a it's a it was kind of it's kind of like the Toot Shore of the West Coast, or at least in the L.A. area. Oh, it's nice. in the San Pedro Long Beach area, and that place is famous because a lot of UCLA and USC athletes throughout the years have actually been workers. They've been line cooks. Jason Capono used to work there. Mark oh, wow. Sanchez used to work there, and on any given night, you'll see Jerry West having dinner. Rick Neuheisel, anyone in sports, uh, you'll see there's been a lot of celebrities that come by there. Um, you know, Magic Johnson, all, it, it's kind of a famous spot. And if you go back years ago, Steve, I don't know if you remember this, when UCLA had that ticket scandal with the Rose Bowl, where that one guy was uh, scalping Rose Bowl tickets to all the Wisconsin fans, <laughs> and then there was a point-shaving scandal. That guy, I think his name was Angelo Mazzoni. The restaurant was actually mentioned because that was one of his favorite spots. Oh, and Phil Training says, Steve, I want to thank the L.A. Times and everybody else. I got a million dollars for <laughs> advertising out of it. Nice. Hey, he did. You're right. Um, okay, well, that brings you just mentioned Jerry West, and I saw your video on winning time. We're going to disagree on this, but I saw your laundry list as to why you watched the show and eventually you were like, this is just stupid. You like the show, Steve? Did you I, really like it? You know, I well, first of all, I do like the basketball scenes. I like the the uh, bringing up history. Like I thought, I got a real kick, and I got a little crazy over it. But uh, uh, who the hell we're we talking about uh, now? I'm blanking on his name. Who was the uh, the great guard from uh, NC State? David uh, David, Thompson. David Thompson. Yeah, David Thompson, and I went crazy talking about how the Lakers almost did that deal, and Jerry West wanted to do it, and then David Thompson was out of the league because he had coke issues. Um, I think I. 
I don't know. I, I get a kick that they're giving a different image or they gave a different image of Jerry West and Chick Hearn, but I think you hated that. I did because, and it's funny, one of uh, Jerry West's best friends is a noted columnist, one of the legendary sports writers in L.A., Doug Krikorian. Okay, I don't know if you ever heard of him, but oh, that's course, another yeah. guy that's yeah. gone to Phil Trainee thousands of times. He's a good friend of mine, yeah. and he, he was absolutely offended by the portrayal of Jerry West as Look, everyone knew he was a little bit neurotic. He, he had his quirks, but the way they portrayed him was way over the top. I know Jerry West, for a quick moment, was thinking about suing, but Doug Krikorian said, Steve, I spent a lot of time with him back on the road when I was a Lakers columnist and a beat writer. He felt as though it was about as inaccurate and unfair a portrayal as you could ever hope for for an individual. And I, and I thought it was incredibly unfair what they did to the logo. Do you believe any of the Chick Hearn <laughs> char- no, character was well, what was Chick it blown was up or, or was he an egotistical work. jackass? Well, no, Chick Hearn was a funny guy. I mean, the, okay. the, I remember bowling for dollars. The stuff he used to say <laughs> would just make you laugh, right? Yeah, and yeah. you look, could you do it today? No. Yeah. But I, I just think with everything that Jeff Perlman does now, there's like this bent. There's a certain slant, and I'm like, oh god, okay, I get it. I mean, look, oh, I, I, did you you thought it was politicized a little bit anti-white with some of the guys in the late '70s, early '80s? Yes, yeah. I mean, I said that in the video. I I I just think to me, it, it's really unfair to like like Larry Bird. I, I the way they portrayed Larry Bird, yeah, he's the hick from French Lick, but you know who respected and liked him more than anyone during his playing days? The black guys. They ne- you've never heard an issue with him. The way he was, never said anything that was questionable. A lot of the black guys said, man, that guy was a great player, but they never said anything disparaging about him as a person. And the way they made Larry Bird into this red ass, I'm like, yeah, I don't know about this either. It's well, Hollywood. Those- Somebody's got to be the villain. Right. Well, just but being they're- a Celtic that beat us in that heartbreaking 84 yeah. series, that's a villain enough. Yeah. It's I mean- villain enough. And, you know, i got to tell you guys, as someone that grew up in L.A., that 84 series – I still say is the most devastating loss that our city has ever taken as a sports fandom. It took it took a whole year to get over that. Really, it did. By the way, we have the Lakers in town tonight in uh, like three hours against uh, Brooklyn. So, good stuff. Yeah, we don't care anymore. Long when that LeBron guy leaves, let me know. I, you know what? There are so many. I live with a Lakers fan, my uh, significant other, and she's like, she's been kind of half in, half out on the the whole LeBron era. So it's been a little bit weird. It's going to be really strange if Jeannie Buss decides that LeBron is going to have his jersey retired. I'm Mark Ooh. my words, guys, that will not play well in Laker fandom because I think there's a split and there's a division that kind of looks upon LeBron James as a carpetbagger and an interloper to this franchise. Steve, you're the best. We appreciate it. We'll catch All up right. with you next Monday. Talk Thank to you. you guys next week. Snack Nutrition. That's uh, who presents Steve Kim every single week here on Cofield and Company. We'll get to the uh, – Football frenzy, which will include some comments today on the quarterback situation over at UNLV from one Barry Odom.